church for a long time, it, there has been this sort of unwritten rule that everything's got to be okay. Everything's got to look nice. That's, I think, the reason why in church in the past, and, and I'm not knocking this at all, but there became um, like this strong movement to really get dressed up. And in different cultures, they dress up more than others. I love some of the cultures where they wear nice hats to church. Like, but if I wore a nice hat, but my nice hat doesn't have a flower and it's not, my nice hat is a flat bill and I get knocked for wearing a flat bill hat. People are like, why do you tuck your ears under your hat? I, I don't know. I don't have an idea. I just like the style. But there's different cultures that, that wear different things to church. And I love the fact that you feel comfortable enough in this place to come really and truly as you are when it comes to your dress. I could wear a suit in here and it would probably look a little strange, but I don't think I would get judged for it. If you wanted to wear a suit and tie in this place, you're definitely not getting judged for it. Um, We will look at your tie check to make sure your tie check equals about the amount of the suit that you're wearing. So we're not going to do too much like that. I'm kidding, that's a joke. But, but I know that we're comfortable coming in t-shirt and jeans and some tennis shoes. We're comfortable in this place like that. But I'm not quite sure, even in this great environment, I love this environment. I'm not quite sure we're comfortable coming into this environment as we really are. Physically. And emotionally and spiritually. Physically, listen, it's okay. I think a lot of times we're like, you know what, man? I got a side hurting. My back hurts. I, I don't know. Probably because of the treadmill. Physically, we're okay. Will you pray for me? I got this thing on my um, knee. You know, we're okay with that. But when it comes to the emotional thing, it's when we pump our brakes. How's when's the last time somebody you came into this environment? You had your t-shirt, your jeans, your cool. You got maybe even a flat bill with your ears tucked in it, and somebody came up to you and said, "You know what? I'm exhausted mentally. Like I think I'm on the verge of a nervous breakdown." I think I'm truly about to lose it. In fact, you know what? I hate life right now and I'm scanning the crowd to look for the little children because I want to get very real in this place. That's why we have a phenomenal children's ministry. It's way better than this right here. Some of you in this place right now, and I'm going to clean it up because I don't see too many little kids, but life stinks. I hate it. (laughs) That's not going on too often here, is it? Oh, you can pray for my hurt knee, but listen, emotionally, man, I'm about to lose it. You know, when you just go mad. So we're cool talking about our physical ailments. But when it comes to the emotional and the mental, whoa. And then we take it a step further. When's the last time in this great environment, this is a healthy environment. Like, I am proud of what God is doing 
at this place. When's the last time, though, in this healthy environment, you walked up to someone and you said, well, you know what? I don't believe a word that dude just said. There is no chance in the world that a miracle is going to happen. You know what? I haven't even spoken to God. He definitely hasn't spoken to me. You know what? I'm not even sure I'm a Christian. And to take it a step further, I'm not even sure I want to be a Christian. So, what if there was an environment that was safe enough to just talk about things like that? See, what all that stuff leads to, your physical, your mental, your emotional, and your spiritual health. You see, what I know because I live it with you, is that there are a lot of exhausted people in our community. I'm not talking about New York City. I don't have a clue in Los Angeles. I am speaking of our little community. They say in the triad, there's about 1.7 million people. There are a lot of exhausted people in the triad. Exhausted. Yes, some of them from their physical ailments, but most people, day in and day out, a lot of us, because it's okay to wear a t-shirt in church, but I can't tell you I'm exhausted. A lot of people are exhausted. How it looks in my life when I get this uh, exhausted feeling is that, think of a fidget spinner, all right? Think of about 40 of them. And they're all spinning at the same time. That's what it looks like for me to be emotionally exhausted. They're spinning around and they never stop. Like they have a very good bearing. Is that what makes those things spin? A ball bearing? You've got one, spin it. (laughs) Exhaustion. And so what I want to talk about here just for a few minutes this morning is there's two words. And depending on how God like sort of wants to direct this thing, which word gets the most weight this morning? I promise you second service will probably look nothing like this because it's the way it goes. But there's two words that I'm going to focus on probably today until about 1230. Don't worry, not this service, but even into the next one. But it's the word exhaustion and the word destination. The word exhaustion and the word destination. You see, the treadmill is back here because this is really and truly a lifestyle that many people live today. You look at this and don't, don't all you athletes and you physically fit people, you make me sick. But don't go there and say, well, pastor, that treadmill will actually get you somewhere. It will get you into a size 32 waist, you, you know? So I get that, okay. So will starving yourself to death. Why do you think we go to Haiti so many times during the year? 
It's my diet plan. And I go to Haiti. Actually, Pastor Bradley and I, we went to Haiti the first time ever and literally gained weight in Haiti. We were the only people alive that went to Haiti and gained weight. I promise you. <laughs> so I know that this will get you to a size 32 waist. I'm not going in that. I'm going way spiritual on you this morning. But most of us, they, we have this lifestyle and it is a treadmill because there are things moving. We go to work, we get up, we say hey to our wife. We may say hey to our children. We're doing things. We're doing the same thing over and over and over and over every day. But it is literally getting us nowhere it's just like this treadmill. I can turn this thing on. They told me not to turn it higher than three because that's about the speed level. This thing will go and it will go. This thing will probably outlast many of us. It goes and it goes and it goes, but it goes nowhere. And if this is our life, if this is our emotional life, if that is our spiritual life, no wonder we're exhausted. I don't want to try to get into like Bible teacher mode this morning, but in Psalm 22 and then in Psalm 23, listen to this. I need you to know that in the Psalms, songs, hymns, they're beautiful. They were not written chronologically. Now, I know that's a big word for a Ledford High School graduate, but what chronologically means is in time, like 9, 10, 11. That's chronologically, okay, I think. They were not written in order, but I find peace and when I read Psalm 22 and then I flip over to Psalm 23, literally, when I knew that this is what the Lord wanted me to expose in the room today, I find peace in reading 22 and then turning the page and reading 23. Psalm 22, scholars say that Psalm 22 is the Psalm of the cross. You guys can go study this on your own. Go look this stuff up. They say that Psalm 22 could have been quoted word for word by Jesus on the cross. I don't know if it was or wasn't, but if you'll read it, like all of Psalm 22, you'll say, wow, man, that, that does sound a lot like what Jesus said on the cross. David pins this, and I love, if, you, if you're not having fun reading scripture, like, it's not just cut and dry, plain. It's not boring. Like, look at this. You've got to read all this. Psalm 22, and right under that it says, for the director of music, to the tune of Mary had a little lamb. See, you don't even know what I'm talking about, do you? See, in my Bible, it says, to the tune of the doe of the morning. I have no clue what that song is. That has not come out on K-Love yet. But when it does, I'm sure we'll sing it. It says, for the director of music to the tune of the 
dough of the morning. It sounds great. And then it says a psalm of David. David penned this. A psalm of David. Listen to what he says. First verse, see if this sounds familiar. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning. For time's sake, I'm just going to skip over to the 13th verse. And I'm just going to ask some of you how exhausted emotionally, physically, spiritually are you this morning? If you say just a little bit, you're in the right place. If you say a whole lot, just get ready because God has something for you this morning. Look at verse 13, Psalm 22. It says, roaring lions tearing their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted away with me. My strength is dried up like a pot shirt. That is something to do with pottery, that word. Broken pieces of pottery lying on the ground, pot shirt. My strength is dried up like a pot shirt and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth You lay me in dust of death. I can see Jesus there dying on the cross saying this. I don't know what David was actually physically going through at this point, but I promise you he was exhausted on some kind of level. And some of us in this room today, we are probably near the same point. We feel like we're being poured out. We feel like our bones are all out of joint. We're exhausted emotionally because we can't tell this to anyone. We're exhausted physically because the nine to five is more like the seven to seven. And spiritually, I love God, but I just don't have time for him because I'm exhausted. And he was just being honest. And let me just say, thank God that somebody was honest because you and I get to read that everything wasn't just perfect. Even for the man who is said that he was a man after God's own heart. And that's what he penned. I don't feel like I've been poured out. My bones are not out of joint. I don't feel like I'm laying in death. I don't feel that way, but I know what it feels like to be exhausted. And I know that you do too. And so that's why I say, this wasn't written in order, but when I turn the page, I get to Psalm 23. And just before you give up, just before you stop, just before you quit, just before you just go the other direction, got to read Psalm 23. Psalm 23, the same guy, David, who just wrote Psalm 22 that we read, he says this. I love this. He says, the Lord is my 
shepherd. I shall not be in want. I love that. I shall not be in want. With all the stuff that's just raging in our world, he says that I will not be in want, meaning that I will have plenty of whatever it is that I need for today. I will have plenty of it. I'll have plenty. I will not be in want. But we gotta be careful how we read that. Because what I see a lot of Christians, and I'm only speaking to Christ followers in the room, listen, if you're not a Christian in this room, me and you're gonna talk at the end of this time, But for Christ followers who know Jesus died on the cross for us and he set us free from sin, we struggle when we read that because what has gone wrong with most of us Christians is we don't read it the way it's wrote. We don't read it that the Lord is my shepherd. We read it as I am the shepherd. I'm the shepherd and I shall not be in want. There's so much to get There's so much that I need. I am my shepherd. I'm my shepherd. And if, seriously, I got to get off of that thing. That's not good, guys. I was hoping for some Gatorade. I love it. I don't know what you thought when you're coming here this morning. But we read that as I'm the shepherd. And if I'm not going to be in want, then I got to get on that thing and I got to go. I got to go. And here's what most people, we wish it was that easy, don't we? What happens is as we're the shepherd and we're needing and we're wanting and we've got all these needs and we've got all this stuff that's piling up. Oh my goodness, I'm the shepherd. Not only do we turn up the speed, but as we gain this, it's never enough. And because I'm the shepherd, I've got to ramp up not only the speed, but I've got to ramp up the intensity of me being the shepherd. And no wonder we're exhausted. You see, if we read that scripture... In the flesh, under the power of man, if we read it that way, we're doomed. But look what happens. Got 10 minutes of walking in. I'm going to count that too. But what happens? Just what happens if we read that through the lenses of a culture that is driven by the kingdom of God? That's how David intentionally wrote it. Listen to what it says. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. You better get ready for verse two because it's getting ready to rock some of your planets. 
It's going to rock some of you right off your axis and it is going to push you to the core. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. You see, the Lord is not going to lead us into exhaustion because this is the way our father works. He says, he makes me lie down. He makes me lie down. That is just the opposite of what we were just doing. We were striving, ramping up the speed. We were upping the intensity. We've got to make this thing on our own. But in the kingdom, God says, hey, Scott, lie down. And what most of us are doing is we are fighting the making. I want you to understand, I feel like Fabio up here. I can tell you Jesus stuff, gospel message, because that's what's going through my brain right now. Listen, we can take this stuff way too serious. I know some of you are exhausted and you need me to get to the point, but listen, man, most of us are exhausted because we don't have fun. And you can be a follower of Jesus and laugh. And you can laugh at me if you need to. I don't care. I make sure my pants aren't falling down. This is weird. <laughs> but I need you to remember this. This reminds me of the time that I was at my counselor's. <laughs> it's Daisha's fault. It's always my wife's fault. I'm kidding. Back to serious. In three. He said he makes me lie down. If you're exhausted this morning, I don't think anybody will take me up on it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Because it's not the way we've done church. But what would happen like right now if you're exhausted? Instead of in your mind running the race that leads to exhaustion, what if you actually like allowed God to make you Lie down. So that's you. You just need to lay down. Just get out of your seat and go to the back. Or you can come to the front, but people will be looking at you. (laughs) But if you're exhausted and you've been on the treadmill of life that leads to no destination, just lay down. Lie down and quit fighting the making. He makes me lie down in green pastures in the same verse, in the same verse. He says, he leads me 
beside quiet waters. For the first time ever, I've read this psalm a million times probably. First time ever preparing to talk about and expose exhaustion. The Lord said to me, Scott, there is a time to lay down. And then there is a time to walk. There is a time to lay down. But there's also going to be a time to walk. There's going to be a time that you have to get up and walk with him. He will let you lie down as long as you need to lie down. And he will provide everything for you while you are lying down. Old Testament story, and I should know this, but I think it was Elijah or Elisha. Those two guys are the same to me. I don't know why they did it in the same same first, second Kings. I, listen, just I don't know why in the world they didn't give them a different name like Bob and Steve. I could have remembered what Bob did and Steve did. I cannot, for the life of me, as a pastor 12 years, get Elisha and Elijah and what they all did straight. I can't. But one of those two guys lied down and the Lord fed him and took care of him as he laid there. Some of you just need to lie down. But there's going to be a time when he says, hey, get up and I want to lead you somewhere. That's in this part of the message that comes to destination. This lifestyle behind me will never get you to your destination, whatever that destination may be. This lifestyle will continually exhaust you and drive you mad. And you will have to wait till you die and go to heaven to experience true peace and true freedom in Jesus' presence. That's not what God intended. He sent his Holy Spirit to this earth so that you and I can experience the atmosphere things of heaven right here on this earth today. And being bound in exhaustion is not a part of heaven's culture. And so what we must do is we must allow our destination to be redefined for us. If I was to ask you, Where are you going in life? Where are you going in life? Like, what is your destination? Some of our destinations shift all the time. Because we are looking at destination under the influence of a earthly culture, a human culture, a fleshly culture. And in that culture, destination is always a place or a milestone or a goal met. And what I'm telling you this morning is destination is not you reaching a goal or a place. Destination is not a milestone achieved in your life. I remember back with one of my good friends. It's actually, he's the one who built this building, Scott Dunbar. Back when we were 15, I can remember it like it was yesterday. We were sitting in the parking lot of the Ledford restaurant. And we went out before our parents. I don't know where we were, but we were 15 years old. And we were both getting our driver's license near the same time. His was December 1st and mine was December 17th. And this was probably September, October. And we were just having 15-year-old conversation. 
And I remember like it was yesterday sitting in the back seat of my mom's Pontiac. We thought that getting our driver's license was going to change everything. We talked about all the girls that we were going to take around and drive around. We talked about the late nights. We talked about how, just, I'll stop there. But we honestly thought getting our driver's license was like going to change everything. You see, that's what it looks like to live this life under the influence of flesh. We think that destination is a milestone. And once we achieve that goal milestone, that everything is going to change. And what happens most of the time is when we reach that destination, we're greatly let down. And because that destination fulfilled that didn't fulfill us, because that milestone didn't actually give us the tingles like we thought, because that goal actually didn't get me anywhere, because we achieved our destination, what we have to do is get back on this thing. Which we already know leads to more exhaustion. And so we have to redefine what destination looks like in the kingdom of God. I don't know if you saw on the screen, destination is not a place. The next one is where I want you to take home with you today. But destination is a person. In the kingdom of God, destination is a person. Look with me. Going back to the New Testament in the book of Philippians, and we're wrapping up here with this. Philippians chapter three. I'm going to read it, verse seven. I don't think it's going to be on the screen, but I know verse eight will. Look at this. Look at this. Well, this is what Paul says. The apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter three, the seventh verse, he says, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Verse eight is going to be on the screen. Look at this. What is more? I consider everything a loss. Every destination that I'm trying to get to Every goal that I'm trying to meet, every milestone that is out there ahead of me, if it is not Jesus Christ and him crucified, then it is loss, is what Paul says. I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Guys, we've been doing this all wrong. 
And I could go on and I could, I could talk about this for hours. But please hear me. We've got to allow. We've got to allow the rules to the game that we've been playing. They've got to be rewritten. We've got to start playing by a whole set of different rules, guys. Where you live doesn't impress me. What kind of car you drive doesn't impress me. What you do for a living doesn't impress me. How much scripture you can quote doesn't impress me. How often the times you come to this church, it it doesn't impress me. I don't look at your tithe and offering stuff. I don't look at that. But how much you give to the church, it doesn't impress me. How many friends you have, it doesn't impress me. You see, all of those things that I just mentioned are because we've been trying to get to the wrong destination. And in the process, what humanity has done is we have torn each other apart. Because I don't want you to get to the destination before I get there. I'm going to be real honest. If I get to the destination, I could care less if any of you get there. What kind of game are we playing? I can promise you it's not a kingdom game. It's not one that the Father has given us. It's one that man has gotten his hands on and greatly construed to the image and formed it into the image of man. Your destination is not just hopefully getting to some finish line. Your destination is what Paul just said here. Oh yeah, well I go to work every day, but you go to work. You live out your life under the influence of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. It's not about how good you can work. It's not about that income. Listen, I get it, man. We've got to have jobs. We've got to have food on the table. I get that. And I want you to go work. And I believe God wants you to go and be the best employer have the highest morals, stand out above the crowd, not so that people look at you and say, oh my goodness, you're amazing. No, you know what? When they come to you, you get to tell them how amazing God is. Because we got to change our destination. We've been going after the wrong things. No wonder we're exhausted. Freedom is released in this room today. We started this thing off. Your sins are forgiven. And then the second, right now, I give you permission to step out of the game that is being played. The game leads to nowhere. I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. See, Sunday morning is not enough time 
for talking about what does that look like now? It's our responsibility to take this from theory to put it into practice. See, we're on a journey and that's what we're called here to do. I'm here to this morning to get you to just understand. I probably have been chasing after the wrong destination. The destination is not a place. The destination is a person. And his name is Jesus. Jesus.